0: Good morning. Well, we got a good group here. I came in this morning, there's like eight chairs set up. I'm like, <clears throat> what's that? I'm, I'm not supposed I'm to take that personally or anything like that, right? And they're like, oh, Keith's going to be preaching today. We don't even need, let's we'll just get some beanbag chairs on the floor, maybe. But look at this, we got a good group here. It's good to see you guys. I'm so glad to have the opportunity to um, share this message with you. You know, Craig was suffering down in Texas last week, and um, so, you know, I know he'll be happy to be here next Sunday, too, um, but the reality is, you know, this is a hard sermon. I, I wasn't supposed to preach this sermon today. You know that? This was Jim's sermon, Jim Hollinsby, and I don't know how many of you guys know Jim, but Jim, Jim was a great guy. I've known Jim for a long, long time, and when Stella and I started coming to this church here, and Jim was one of the first, we saw Jim and Dem. I'm like, oh my gosh, those guys are here. And for those of you that don't know, Jim uh, passed away tragically not, not too long ago. And the, the last conversation I had with Jim was about this, ser- this sermon. And he came up to me after church and he said, Hey, are you guys going to be here on the 24th? I said, I, I hope so. He said, we got to do something special. What do you, what do you think? I'm, I'm preaching that day. And I said, sounds great, Jim. And, and that was the last chance I had to talk to him. Well, as we were at his funeral I was thinking about that, and, and Julie was sharing some things about the notes that Jim had already prepared about this message, and, and she had been sharing about these, these things, and it just hit me like, that's what I'm going to talk about today, and, and it's, it's incredible how God works these things out because the illustration I remember had something to do with the flood, water coming in, and fixing it, Guess what Stella and I were doing before we came here to church today? We're at our studio. We have a photography studio in Marion. And all the water had pooled up on the side of the building yesterday. All of a sudden, it's just pouring in. So yesterday, we had people coming in for family photos. And we're mopping and shot back. And I'm outside trying to deal with it. And then we stopped by this morning. Same exact thing. And I thought, how ironic is that? Exactly what Jim was going to talk about is like what we're doing, you know, but it's just a it's just a picture though really of the ultimate vision of what he wanted to talk about today which which has to do with these storms that we go through in life now how many of you are sick and tired of storms right now aren't we all tired of it you wake up in the middle of the night you hear the wind howling you hear the rain coming down or you wake up and you see just you know unbelievable amounts of snow and you think when is this going to end if you're a kid you're thinking this is awesome I'll never have to go back to school. Our son is a senior. Our youngest is a senior, and he's like, I don't have to make up these snow days. You know, all these other kids were like, we're going to be in school till July fourth. But I can understand that. You know, we get to these points where we where we talk about these storms, and and you know, we just sometimes want to say, when's it going to stop? What's happening here? And, and I wanted to talk about that as sort of a metaphor for what we're gonna call the storms of life because those storms come too, don't they? And, and they don't come when we decide that, they're, that we're ready for them. They just come when they come. And, and the idea being that as Christians, we have to be ready for that. We have to be in a place in our lives where we know how to deal with those storms. And I'm, I'm sure that you know, what Jim planned on speaking about today was how God helps us in our lives to weather these storms, and to clean up the messes that come. God's always there to help us pick up the pieces, and I'm sure that here today in this room, we could just go around and share story after story of storms and what that looks like in our lives. But how many of us have actually ever stopped in the middle of it and thanked God for those storms? That's a tough thing to do, isn't it? See, being in the middle of a storm is tough, but it's something that we all have to be ready for because it's ultimately our destiny, isn't it? You're either in one of three places. You're in the middle of a storm. You're just coming out of one, or you're about to walk into one. It's unavoidable. It's unavoidable. And the question is, what's the best way for us to live? Well, the Scripture gives us the answer, and I want to share with you this morning based on that text that we Read from Luke, three things that all of us need to survive the storm. Now I want you to think about what was happening in that, in that scripture. The disciples are, are in a boat with Jesus right after Jesus just preached the Sermon on the Mount. So he just gave this incredible message and, and people were all around. They, they got on the boat and, and, and now they're going across the, the sea and this crazy storm hits them. And Jesus had talked about that a little bit in his message. We'll get to that in a minute. But he's asleep. And they're convinced that they're going to die. They're convinced they're going to die. And they even say to Jesus, what are you doing? Don't you know we're all going to die? So they ask him a question, and then he asks them a question. And the question that they ask him, I can relate to that. Can you? Have you ever said that to Jesus? Where are you? What's going on? Don't you care? Don't you care? Don't you see what's happening? I mean, he was right there. That's a little different than where we live, don't, don't we? I mean, none of us have Jesus physically in our house or in our boat, so to speak. We have faith that he's there, but he was really right there for them, and he was asleep. He wasn't up on the, on the, the front of the boat looking and making sure everything was okay. He was down, and he was out. And they're like, don't you care, Jesus? Well, he had a question for them too. And his question was this Where is your faith? Where is your faith? Think about that question. These were the disciples. They obviously had faith in Jesus, didn't they? I mean, they left their lives to follow him. They, they didn't just show up for, for a worship service once in a while or, or sign up for something that they subscribe to online to listen to something. These guys dropped everything. They had a display of faith that most of us will never understand. Anybody here leave your, your family, your life, your job, your income, all of that to follow Jesus? Anybody here do that? You know, maybe to a certain degree some of us have, but these guys did it to the ultimate degree. So they obviously had faith in Jesus. But what Jesus wanted to know was, where is your faith? Now, I think that's kind of a tricky question, isn't it? Where is your faith? It's a revealing question. It's an even more revealing question when you consider the context of when he asked them that. You see, there's two types of people when it comes to faith. There are those whose faith disappears when the storms come, right? And then there are people whose faith disappear when the storms are over. Think about that. Some people only pray when they're in trouble, right? But as soon as trouble's over, they forget about God. He got me out of the mess. That's what he's there for, to get me out of my mess. Now that he's done that, I don't need him anymore, right? And then there's other people who are like, (gasps) you know, God, I'm in a mess, therefore you must not exist anymore. Yesterday when life was great, I was singing your praises. I was telling people how awesome you were. I was, I was involved with things. But, but now that I'm in a tough spot, my whole spiritual worldview just completely evaporated and you must not exist anymore. Now, I'm giving you the extremes, but I think each of us, if we're honest with ourselves, we can ask that question, where do we line up? Where, who, which way are we more likely to swing in that? And I, I'm, I'm expecting that even among the disciples, they didn't all have the same makeup in that. I mean, you can see that from learning about the lives of the disciples. I mean, you got guys like Peter who are like, bring it on in the storm. And then you got guys like Thomas who are like, oh my gosh, this kid, he's not even real. Right? I need proof. So which are you? Do you find that your faith seems more powerful when you're in trouble or when things are good. You know, the Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. So faith, is it absolutely mandatory when it comes to surviving storms? The question is, what kind of faith? What kind of faith? Where is your faith? See, if you don't have faith, you won't be able to trust that in the storms, God has a plan. Now that's important to recognize that. I know that sounds kind of trite. You know, it's probably on a t-shirt someplace or maybe on a coffee cup you got at your house. God has a plan. But when you run into a storm, that's especially important to consider because God's plan has to trump our plan. Because none of us would ever plan for a storm, would we? I mean, we might plan to try to prepare for one or to withstand one, but how many of us go, oh, I can't wait for that storm to come. I can't wait until there's... Water damage coming into the roof of my house. I can't wait until there's a diagnosis from a doctor that shakes my family. I can't wait until I lose my job or that I have some family issue in my marriage or, or you name it, right? None of us gets excited about that stuff. So when it hits us, faith reminds us that God has a plan. If you don't have that as part of your faith, oh, you're going to be in trouble. You're going to be in trouble. You see, a true saint does not fear the storm. A true saint only fears falling away during a storm. There's a guy that's like one of my favorite uh, heroes of the Christian faith. His name is Ignatius of Antioch. Okay, and he lived in the in the the tail end of the 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 first century and the first part of the second century. He died in the year 108. He was good friends with the apostles, right? Peter was the guy who gave him his job as the bishop of Antioch, and he was mentored by the apostle John. And Ignatius of Antioch did a really, really uh, dangerous thing. He refused to burn incense to the emperor Trajan and Trajan's pagan gods, and Trajan said, that's it, buddy. You're done, We're hauling you to Rome. We're going to feed you to the lions. It's a little bit of a a trip from Antioch up to Rome. And while Ignatius was on his way there, he wrote seven letters to churches around. And you can still read them. I have a book at my house that has all his writings. and, And here's one of the things that he wrote. He said this as he's contemplating his imminent, brutal, violent death. He says this, get me out of this! Guys, come save me. No. <laughs> Where is God? He says this, now, now he was an old man at this point in time. Now I begin to be a disciple. Let fire and cross, flocks of beasts, broken bones, dismemberment all come upon me. So long as I attain to Jesus Christ. Can you imagine having that kind of faith? See, to endure the storm, you have to trust that no matter what happens, God has a plan. Ignatius knew that God had a plan. And he said, no matter what happens in this world, I don't care about any of it as long as I am true to my Lord. Where is your faith? Jesus asks, you're going to need it. Now, I don't think that Jesus necessarily was asking. He could have had multiple meanings there. Where is your faith? As though it doesn't exist. He was saying, where is your faith? In which way is it pointed? You see, the second thing that you need besides faith is truth. If you want to get through the storm, you want to weather the storm, you got to have faith, yes, but you got to have truth. Because faith is important, but it's ultimately useless and even dangerous if the object of your faith is not true. You can have faith in lots of things, lots of people, lots of ideas, but if they are untrue, you could be worse off. See, Jesus said, unless you build your life on his words, you will not be able to withstand the storms. You know that one of the things that Jesus had just preached about in, in the Sermon on the Mount Was this idea that you got to build your life on his words? He he said in Matthew 7, he said, Everyone who then hears these words of mine, which is what he just preached, and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rainfall and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it oh those are horrifying words aren't they great was the fall of it you see you can have faith in all sorts of things but if they aren't true then when the storms come there's no foundation so what is true Right? What is true? I, I love it when Megan's doing the children's time and she says, the Bible words, are they true or they pretend? Right? And the little kids go, they're true! Right? That's a great message right there. They're true. God's words are true. They're not pretend. And Jesus said, look, if you want to survive storms, because they're coming. Notice he didn't say, if you build your, your life on my words, then you'll avoid the storms. They won't come into your life. The storms come regardless the question is, whose life stands? The answer is those whose lives are built on the truth of Jesus Christ and his words. You've got to have faith and you have to have truth. You've got to have both. It's not enough just to hear a good sermon, even from Jesus. You still have to go about the business of building your life on those words. So what does that mean? Does it mean that we just know the words? that we have them memorized, that we read them. See, Knowing the word of God is useless if we don't put it into practice. Notice Jesus didn't say, whoever knows these words of mine. He says, whoever hears them and puts them into practice. You can know how to build a house correctly, but if you don't actually do it, it will not stand. In the same way, you can have all the faith in the world, but if your faith is in things that are false, you're no better off. True faith is in things that are true. Strong belief in weak things makes for a disaster. It's easy to get this wrong, isn't it? <laughs> it is. How many of us believe we're going to be okay in life if our portfolio looks healthy? Right? I'm good for the future. I'm set up. I got the right things in the right places and the right numbers are coming in. I don't mean anything. How many of us think that we're going to be okay if we, if we drink carrot juice and, and don't eat Twinkies, right? I mean, that just sounds like not okay right there. I don't remember the last time I had a Twinkie, but how many of us believe that we can control what happens to us by our good decisions, right? I, I'm telling you. You can make all the right decisions and still wind up in a terrible storm, can't you? So many of us put our faith in our own understanding, in our own wisdom, in our own opinions. And we think that we know what is best. So how can you tell then whether you're building your life on the words of Jesus or whether you're just trying to be a nice person and have the right knowledge? There's one word that will reveal it every time. You want to know what that word is? Obedience. You know when your faith meets reality and truth in moments where you have to choose obedience. So how, are, how obedient are we? Now, not just in things with which we agree. That's easy. But how do we do when it comes to our obedience in things that we struggle with? in things with which we maybe even disagree. Do you disagree with God on anything? Let me tell you, if you answer yes, you're probably honest. And you probably follow the true God. Because whenever I run into someone who tells me that they believe and agree everything with God, and and that they always agree with whatever God says, that trips a a warning in my brain. (laughs) Because I, I don't know about you, but depending on the stage of life I'm in, I have different opinions about different things and, and sometimes I go on this way on an issue and that way on an issue. And, and if God is always lined up with my opinions on everything, then maybe my opinions are really dictating who God is to me, not the other way around, you see. You see, I think it's hard to follow God. And, and I'm not embarrassed to tell you that. I think it's hard to, to, to submit yourself to the will of God in all things. I, I don't think Ignatius of Antioch was like, oh man, I can't wait to get, to get ch- chomped down on by a bunch of lines. That's going to be a blast. But he was obedient. That's how you know when your faith is in real, true God, is when you're willing to be obedient. So when have you had to obey God in something you really didn't want to? You you want to know something? That's what the Sermon on the Mount was kind of all about, wasn't it? You know? Blessed are you when you're persecuted. When someone strikes you on the right side, turn to him the, the left. All of these things. That's what Jesus has just been talking about. Turning the other cheek, forgiving, being blessed in persecution, being blessed in mourning. In other words, the storms. To understand this, the belief that God will keep you from the storms is in itself untrue. And I know that that goes against the, the grain of our North American utilitarian Christian belief where we think that God exists to give us health, wealth, and prosperity and make our lives easy. That's a, a relatively new invention in, in the theology of the Christian faith, by the way. For the vast majority of Christianity all across the world, that sort of uh, view of God accounts for probably less than a tenth of a percent of Christianity. But because of where we live and how we're raised and the voices we hear often, we just think that's what it's all about. Go to a Christian bookstore sometime. Look at the bestsellers. They're all about how God's going to make your life awesome. Just Just do these three easy things and God will give you what you want, right? Not really lines up with what Jesus had to say. You see, it's interesting. This was the same problem the disciples had in the boat, wasn't it? Hey, don't you care? We're all going to die? No, I don't care. You're all going to die. It's true. Hey, Jesus, don't you care? No, really don't care. Jesus didn't care that they were in a storm. That wasn't his point. That wasn't his purpose. See, what Jesus was doing wasn't keeping from them from the storm, he was using the storm to show them that they needed more faith in the right things. Think about that. So we all think we're doing great in the faith until the storm comes, and then we say, God, what's up with this? You know, sometimes it takes a storm to, to reveal where we are. You know, you never know how strong you are until you fail, right? You never know how much weight you can lift until you max out. You never know how far you can run until you collapse, You never know how faithful you are until you're put to the test. Jesus said that your strength and know-how doesn't stand a chance against the storms of this life. Only a life built on his words will last against everything this world can throw at you. One more quote from Ignatius, because he's my homeboy. He said this, I would rather die and come to Jesus Christ than be king over the entire earth. Him I seek who died for us, him I love who rose again because of us. See, when you prefer, when you build your life on, on, on the truth of Jesus' words and prefer that, nothing can destroy you. Because what God gives you is indestructible. I love the way that Peter puts this. Now, Peter was in that boat, right? And later on, he wrote these words. He says this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. This inheritance is not the life that you live here on earth, it's in heaven. That's the most important truth we need to embrace. We won't fully realize the deliverance from the storms until we are ushered into eternity with Jesus. And I tell you right now, I think Jim would tell us that. More than ever, the reality of the sermon he wanted to preach because now he has been delivered from that storm ultimately. He's walked into paradise with Jesus. And that truth is what we need to build our lives on, not this false idea of worldly success or riches. A problem is that we don't often realize that the biggest storms are not when things are tough, but when our faith is weak. That's the storm to avoid. The storm to be feared is not painful or, or difficult circumstances in this life, but rather the rejection of God. Remember, the greatest words Jesus ever spoke to anybody were said on a cross. When he turned to the thief next to him, who was perishing, bleeding to death, suffocating to death in agony, and Jesus said to him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Can you imagine hearing better words ever in the universe than from Jesus Christ? That's where he set him, on the cross. Think about that. Last thing. You need faith, you need truth to get through the storms, but because this is a sermon, there's always got to be three things, right? It can never be two, never four, it's always Three. Sometimes with me, it's a little bit more like five or six. But <clears throat> third thing is this. It's Jesus himself. You know, Jesus hasn't come to give you the secret to surviving the storms. That wasn't what he told the disciples. Otherwise, he just would have wrote them a note, said, here, put this in the boat. You know, when it's getting really bad, open it and read it. No, he got in the boat with them, didn't he? He hasn't come to give you the secret to surviving the storms. He's come to give you himself. See, he is the way through those storms. He is the way. I I love his words in John's Gospel, chapter 16. He says, I have told you these things so that in in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. He has overcome the world. Not you, not me. Our only hope of surviving the storm is if we have Jesus with us. See, if Jesus is with us, then no matter what's happening, we can have peace. If Jesus walks before us, we can know the way because he is the way. Stay close to Jesus no matter what. Keep him in your boat. I told Stella this morning, I said, hey, I came up with a nice little poem. She said, please don't say it. <laughs> I said, keep him in your boat and you'll stay afloat. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that, that needs to be on Twitter or something. I don't know. I don't have that anymore, but whatever. Our hope is found in him, not only because of what he says, but because of who he is, right? Who he is. Is he in your boat with you? Do you have him with you? Are you with him? If you are, then trust him. Where is your faith? It, it needs to be in him. It needs to be in him. Knowing that he's got a plan. He'll get you there. He'll take you to your inheritance. That nothing this world can, can, can do will destroy get you there stay close to him let's pray together friends God, I want to thank you for the privilege it has been today to to preach this message and Lord we 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 have no idea what is in store for us God I, I certainly didn't expect to be here today God, but your plan trumps our plan every time. Help us to be people, Lord, who have strong faith when things are good and when things are bad. Help our faith to be in you and help our lives to be built upon your words, not just something that we know, but something that is our foundation. And God, when we look around and see each other, struggling when we see our brothers and sisters even Lord in the middle of it God may we be people who run to their to their aid who who, who grab a bucket if we have to and help them bail those flood waters out this message came to a group of disciples Lord not just one person comes to us today May our hearts be filled with peace. Take us through, Lord. God, for those here that are in the middle of that, our earnest prayer is that you would bring strength, that you would bring peace, that you would bring encouragement and hope and life. God, we know that you're not content to watch us just suffer needlessly, Lord, but that you come to us. So Lord, for my brothers and sisters today, God, that are in the middle of it and it just won't seem to stop, God, help them. And for those of us, Lord, who've walked out, may we be stronger because of it. May we be more in love with you, ready to help in any way we can to bring praise to you. And, Lord, for all of us as we walk into whatever you have coming next, let our hope and faith be in you. Just like we sang earlier, whatever is in the past and whatever lies before us, may we be singing when the evening comes. Let there be nothing that takes away our love for you and our praise of you. We worship you here today. We bring all these things to you in your awesome name. Amen.